Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at MyBookie. We might be halfway through the season. But there's still plenty of college football left to bet on this season. So don't wait. If you haven't signed up for a brand new account at MyBookie, make sure to do so now to take advantage of two awesome promo deals that you guys had to choose from. You can use our exclusive promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account at MyBookie.ag to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. That does come with a playthrough, but if you want to avoid the playthrough, you can use the other code 200CASH. You get a 10% cash bonus on top of your first deposit up to $200 added straight to your account. Just bet your initial deposit and that money is yours to withdraw and do whatever you want with it. So again, mybookie.ag, promo code UGA or promo code 200CASH. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. And back with me once again to recap Georgia's 51-13 blowout of the Kentucky Wildcats. Finally, finally, guys, we saw what we've all wanted to see. But back with me today to talk about it all is my longtime co-host, Curtis and Kurt, let's not waste any time, man. Let's get right to it. Yes, this was the performance that we've all been waiting for all season, at least the first half of the season. It might have taken half the season to get here, but we finally got it, and we got it against the best team that we have played to date, in my opinion. And I got to be honest, Curtis, I did expect us to win this game. I said as much last week. I did expect us to win it fairly comfortably, the way that we, I don't know, ultimately won the South Carolina game. But I also have to be honest here. I did not expect that because, quite frankly, we haven't seen us put it all together yet. And I am a show-me guy. They had not shown me yet. This team had not shown me that yet. But they showed me last night. But I know that you were not on the preview episode, Curtis, and didn't get much of a chance to really give your thoughts on how this game would play out. So I'm just curious, what were your expectations coming into this game? Did you expect that? Honestly, I thought Georgia was going to win and or that they would win, that it would be tight, but not very tight. I, I had them winning, but not covering. You basically were, were of the same mind as I was, right? Like we were going to win this game probably by a touchdown to two, something like seven to 14 points, but not pull away the way we did, right? No, it, it, to me, it, it was really, I was expecting the same recipe we've seen every time we've played Kentucky the last four or five years. Yeah, because I mean, why would you expect anything different? Because that's kind of what at least recent history has told us. And I, I'm like you, I expected much the same. I felt like if we could make Devin Leary beat us with his arm, that I liked our chances because I felt like we were just more equipped to win that kind of game. Clearly, Carson Beck's a better quarterback than Devin Leary. We, we all can see that. We know that. So I felt like if we could make that happen, we could win this football game and probably win again fairly comfortably, maybe not quite cover the 14 and a half point spread. I really didn't think either team would have too much success running the football. I was half wrong there. Uh, did you expect us to have the kind of success running the ball that we did against this Kentucky defense, Kurt? Um, no, I didn't, but it made sense. You know, um, I was hoping that they would use the pass game more and go to more of an attack out of the spread. Um, and I wanted them to do pass to make the run open instead of being able to run to open up the pass. Do you feel that's what we did last night? To me, it's exactly what we did because um, we ran with success. And I know we and we didn't really have that much success running early. We had some, but I felt like the 
success we had in the passing game really loosened up their coverages and they weren't able to stack the box as much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the the rushing totals, I mean, we ran the ball really well, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, but we only carried the ball 31 times. We ran the ball 31 times. We threw the ball 42 times. Carson threw it 35 and Brock came in and we allowed Brock to run the run the offense, Brock Vandegrift, that is. Uh, he threw the ball seven times. So 42 pass attempts and 31 rush attempts. That's not typically what you see from a Georgia offense, is it? No, it's not. It's not, but is that what this team needs? Is, like, is that what the identity of this offense needs to be, Carson? Because that's what we've been doing the first half of the year, right? Is we've been trying to define that identity. Maybe that makes up for some of the slow starts. Is that kind of what this offense's identity is, that we just are going to throw the ball more than we're going to run the ball because of the issues that we have in the backfield with the, with the, uh, with the running back room, all the injuries we've dealt with, their offensive line shuffling? Is that just what this identity is right now? To me, it is, and I think it's what it needs to be. Um, as we continue to shuffle, especially with um, getting Dylan Bell comfortable in the backfield and getting healthier, uh, getting Kendall back, even getting Dejan more healthy, and then even trying to get Andrew Paul some more reps, um, right now we're going to have to lean more so on the pass game. Which just makes sense because that's what we're most proficient at right now. Now, we, we ran the ball really well against Kentucky, and that was somewhat of a surprise to me because this was the best rush defense that we played, number two rush defense in the, in the SEC coming into this game. And they had just stuffed a Florida rushing attack that had been really good all season last week. So that was somewhat of a surprise to me. But what about the flip side here, Curtis? We heard all week long, obviously, about, you know, Ray Davis, 200 yards rushing, Kentucky 329 against Florida, which is, had been a good Florida rush defense coming into that game. Obviously, we had some issues defending the run. Were you were you expecting Kentucky to be able to run the football better than they did against us in this game? I wasn't, honestly, and it's mainly because the teams have given us trouble really had more mobile quarterbacks. Um, yes, they can attack the edge, but it wasn't exactly being them attacking the edge as much as it was them using the misdirection and the counters to open it up. So they didn't have that recipe. Yeah, I'm with you here, man. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I expected us to hold Kentucky to what, just a little over 50 yards rushing in this game. I think it was 55 yards rushing, 2.3 yards per per rush. I wasn't expecting that, but I also didn't think it was out of the question because it's what we talked about last week. I knew that Kentucky – I mean, I, I was saying it all last week. You were too, Curse. I knew that Kentucky would not be able to challenge us like Auburn did with their run game because they don't have the quarterback run element. It, it's that simple. That is what made it so difficult for us to defend Auburn. It was the misdirection, quarterback run element, the fact that they were able to get numbers in the box – and that was difficult for us to handle when we were playing, again, essentially an option offense last week. Kentucky is not equipped to run that kind of offense. They don't have that type of quarterback play. I knew that they, the way that they run the football plays into our defensive strength. Now, the question I had is, how good are we up front right now? I knew they were going to play into our strength defensively, but how strong is that strength this year? Obviously, without Jalen Carter there in the middle of the defense, how strong is that going to be? And Clearly, the defense was up for the challenge. We'll get into that a little bit more in detail later on in the show. So, no, it wasn't exactly what I think either one of us expected. But, hey, man, I'll take it. You know, that kind of performance, when all the eyes are on you, it's the biggest game of the year to date for us. We'll have bigger games. That's a top 20 matchup. Kentucky coming off a big win against four last week. There was some hype on that Kentucky team for us to come out and play the way that we did. Certainly, certainly a sight for sore eyes. Let's go to this next question here, Curtis. I think we learned a lot about this team based on that performance last night. But I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest thing that you learned about this Georgia team last night? Um, I think this was the first time they've really been doubted all year. There were times that they have been, but not to the level they were after this Auburn game, um, especially with Kentucky coming to the house undefeated after the performance they put on against Florida. Um, and it was really that they can answer the bell. It felt like all season we've been taking everyone's punches to start the game. And for once, it was nice to see that we had the ability to be the one out making the aggressive starts and throwing the punches early. Yeah, I mean, Curtis, there were people openly questioning whether we'd be able to win this game. I mean, Kentucky fans, Curtis, I know social media is social media. That's what people do. They troll. But Kentucky fans were openly talking trash to us on social I mean, you media. Saw from, I mean, the media personalities, some of them wouldn't make the picks outright, but they were really wanting They were intimating. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were certainly suggesting, oh, watch out, watch out for Kentucky. And we heard that all week long. So for me, it, it's similar to what you're saying there, Curtis. I think the biggest thing I learned 
This is my big takeaway from this game. Is I think stories of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. Look, and I, I don't, I'm not gonna sit here and play the the crazy disrespect card. I don't want to be that guy. Look, we ha- we're still number one in the country, right? So it's hard, it's hard to say you're being disrespected when you're still the number one team in the country. But like, like you were saying, Curse, there were people openly questioning really the past couple of weeks, and I think justifiably so based on how we have played. But there have been people openly questioning. Whether we deserve to be number one, which I think is fair. I've, I've said that myself. I don't think we, we deserve to be number one if it's based on who's the best team in the country right now. Past couple weeks, that hasn't been us. So there are people questioning that, I think, fairly. There are people questioning whether we have played like a team capable of winning a national championship, which, again, I think fair based on what we saw the first couple of weeks. And there are also people questioning, does Georgia just not have it this year? The team that I saw last night, Curtis, is a team that absolutely – can win a national championship. And to me, I have not been able to say that to this point through the first five games of the year. I basically have said after every game, I still think we can develop into that team, but we are not that team right now. That has basically been my my operating line here for a month, almost a month and a half. But we were that team last night. Now, here's the thing. That is still to this point through the first half of the season, which is crazy thing. We're now halfway through the season. That is still the anomalous performance. It's the one that's most recent and fresh in our mind because it just happened last night, like less than 24 hours ago. But it's still the anomalous performance to this point in the season. Now, the challenge for us moving forward is this. We have got to make that who we are and not just who we were on that like one chilly night in, in early October. You know what I mean? But yeah. I learned that this team can win a national championship. Because I, I think to this point, Curtis, like that was a very serious question. I, I kept saying, like, you know, I think you and I are on the same the same wavelength here. We were of the mind that this team can grow into that if we can continue to develop and don't stub our toes somewhere along the way. But maybe last night we saw that we have developed into that kind of team. Maybe. Again, anomalous performance at this point. Let's see if we can string a couple performances like that together. But this is what we were hoping for, Curtis. We want to get through this portion of the schedule without slipping up, go into the bye week, get healthier, and then we have a stretch, Curtis. Florida's not a great football team, but still it's a rivalry game. At a neutral side, you got Florida. Missouri's our good football team right now, man. There's a very real possibility that Missouri might be a one-loss team when we play them. It's a very real possibility. And then Ole Miss is a good football team. Tennessee, not as good as we thought they might be, but it's still a tough game on the road, a team fully capable of beating us. And and Tech, I mean, Tech just shocked the world last night. I mean, did you see that game, by the way, Curtis? I, well, I've either? seen the replays now. I wasn't watching it live. I watched it live, man, and because I, I, I had some money on that game. I And actually, I had money on Tech. Uh, to cover the 20 and actually a money line sprinkle on tech to win outright, which I'm ashamed of because I can't bet on tech, but also let's freaking go. And the way that game ended, I would just, I'm still like, what is going on? But anyway, this is what we wanted, right? Curtis, we wanted to get to the bye week, which I mean, we're not there yet. We still have to take care of business against Vandy, but we'll hopefully be able to get there and then hit the ground running. And it looks like we we are doing that. And that's that's kind of been the hallmark of Kirby, Kirby Smart teams. Is they get better as they go. And I'm learning this team is getting better and is now, in my opinion, capable of winning a national title. I saw that team last night. And we've got plenty more to talk about, guys. We are just getting started today. But you know what? Let's go ahead and get our first break out of the way. Let's get this done with. Let me tell you guys again about our friends at my bookie. When your money's on the line, guys. Choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. At my bookie, guys, it doesn't matter. Like if your team's up, your team's down, if we're winning, if we're losing, it doesn't matter. You can always cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. And my bookie's got every kind of wager you can look for, guys. They've got daily odds boosts, single game parlays. You guys know I love my parlays. And take advantage of the huge prize pool contest that they're running all the time. Plus, my bookie right now, guys, they're offering that no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quickly. Just use the promo code 200CASH on that first deposit for all new users and receive up to $200 in cash straight to your account. That's promo code 200 cash, but you also have the option to continue to use our exclusive promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. There is a playthrough on that one, but if you don't mind the playthrough, if you plan on betting through the rest of the season, that's another great option. So try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl frontrunner. Don't forget to try that, guys, at Long Shot Odds plus 3,800. No, wait, I got that wrong. Plus 3,800. 
on the Eagles and Chiefs, you won't find odds like that anywhere else. So do yourself a favor, guys. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Curtis, let's go ahead and move on to this question, man. Now, look, we know that much has been made about the offense's slow starts to the first five games. And again, like I've been saying earlier, justifiably so. We've only scored 17 points total in the first quarter through the first five games. But that was not the case last night. The floodgates opened up wide up against Kentucky with 14 first quarter points and a whopping 34 first half points. Curtis, we scored more points in the first half against Kentucky than we did in either of our first two full SEC games. And that was against the best defense statistically that we have faced to this point. So obviously something changed offensively, Curtis, at least in that first half. What was it? What was the difference last night for this offense? The biggest thing to me, it feels like we actually know our identity kind of right now. And not only that, but our players, they also realize this is our identity and they're more comfortable and playing more confident. I mean, like I've said earlier, I think we're going to have to pass to open up the run right now, especially as we work on the run game and try to get more cohesiveness on the line of scrimmage. That right now, especially the way teams have been stacking the box against us, we're going to need to throw more. And it felt like this was especially coming off of the second half in Auburn where Carson started playing unbelievably and he really carried it over. And you just see the confidence out there because there were times earlier in the season where we we're like, OK, the plays were there to be made. We just didn't execute them. This player was open. This player was doing that. And that was a, a common occurrence. But this was the game where all of a sudden we started hitting on those plays. Yeah, I, I, to me, it's like a it's a three headed monster of things that were kind of conspiring against us, if you want to say it that way. And the, the first five games of the year, obviously, it was execution, as you and I have been talking about really ad nauseum all year on these episodes. I, I, we'll get to my Bobo a little bit later on. I think my Bobo's done a fantastic job from day one since he's taken over this this offense. And it was just a matter of poor execution. We saw that. You can go back to UT Martin. There were so many plays out there to be made, and we just weren't executing them. And that's to be, somewhat be expected early in the season when you have a lot of new faces and new guys in key positions that haven't really played that much well. Maybe they've been around like Carson Beck for a long time, but they haven't been in that situation, been that guy before. And the execution, you know, coming off the offseason was – a little rusty uh, at first, and we saw through the first couple of weeks, to be honest with you. I think that was part of it. Uh, again, experience. We just had a lot of key players in different positions that hadn't played a ton of football for us in this system. Carson Beck, I mentioned. Rod, Rod Thomas coming from Mississippi State, an entirely different kind of offensive system for him to play with. we got Dylan Fairchild playing at left guard for us. Xavier Trust having to move out to right tackle, which is not where he's played for the past year and a half. The running back rotation, obviously trying to get that figured out. A lot of guys that hadn't played a ton of football for us. I mean, Dejan played a lot of football for us. But you're talking about Dylan Bell playing a brand-new position. Cash Jones has never really played any meaningful snaps in his life. He's had to play some big-time snaps for us. And then just the injuries in general. I think all of those things improved last night. They all kind of hit together. The execution was at a level that we have not seen yet to this point offensively. Like the plays that Bobo was dialing up that he's been dialing up all year long, the guys were hitting. They were executing. It was crisp. The guys like Carson Beck have gotten the experience they need. They got the feel, the confidence now. They've seen it. Rara Thomas is starting to come into his own, which is a beautiful thing for this offense. That could help take it to the next level. Dylan, Fel- D- Dylan Fairchild, now a couple starts under his belt, did not play well against Auburn. In fact, you and I talked about it, Curse. I thought there was a chance that Michael Morris might get the start. He did not. Uh, we stuck with Dylan, and Dylan played well, man. He responded in a really big way against a really good Kentucky front. So he played well. He's kind of coming into his own there. Trust is getting better at tackle. Still some – Work to be done there, but he's certainly improving, getting better. I thought he played his best game of the year against Kentucky. Uh, the running back rotation, we're starting to figure that out. We're getting healthier now. Dajan's back healthy. Kendall back healthy. All of those things. Vlad McConkie back healthy-ish, kind of, back out there. So all of those things together, they kind of just hit together the same night. And that, to me, is what makes the difference. I mean, it's crazy to go from I – mean, it's still almost unbelievable, 17 first quarter points the entire year. I know the clock rules maybe a little bit had to do with that, but, again, it's just – Poor execution, guys getting some experience, getting healthier. It's all those things kind of came together. And to me, that's what made the difference last night for us. Now, specifically, though, Curtis, was there one part of that offense that you thought performed at a higher level 
than maybe they had through the first couple of games of the year? Ooh, I think two. I mean, I think the wide receivers are stepping up more and more. You're talking about raw, raw plays, man. Making yeah. play, be, being playmakers, and then offensive line. I thought they did a lot better job of controlling the line of scrimmage when it was obvious that uh, Kentucky was going to try to come out there and play mad and be a bully, and yet we answered the bell. I think we have – go back to the receiver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the, the run game here in a minute because that's where I'm going to go for this next question. But I like what you said about the receivers there, Curtis. I mean, we know what we have in Brock Bowers. But we have some guys – I don't want to call them no-name guys because they're not no-name guys, but they're not household names, right? They're not brand names in the world of college football. Now, we know who guys like Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint are. Like, we know – we understand like, who a guy like Dylan Bell is. And, I mean, Robert Thomas is maybe a little bit more of a name because he did leave Mississippi State and receive him. He was never like that kind of national name. But these guys are starting to come into their own. They're starting to make plays. Marcus Rosemey, Jackson Curse is playing at a level that we have not seen him play at his entire career. And he's really, really stepped up in the absence of Ladd McConkey and not just been a great blocker and a physical presence for us on the perimeter, which is what he's always been for us, a great team guy. This dude is making plays, man. He's making plays in the passing game. I've always felt like he had a little something else to offer us there. I mean, I love this guy coming out of high school as a receiver. And he's starting to come into his own. He's starting to make something actually – make plays for us in the passing game. So I think that's a huge part of that, Curse. I think you're exactly right. And Ra-Ra, as you mentioned, I mean, him growing up and getting more familiar with this system and more comfortable in the system, that absolutely could change everything for us. But I want to go to this next question because you mentioned the offensive line. This is where I'm going to go with this. But when Curse, when you beat the best team you have played all season, and it's not going to be the best team that we play all season, but to this point, it is the best team that we have played all season. When you beat a team like that, the way that we just beat Kentucky, you obviously did a lot of things right, man. So there are a lot of encouraging things to take out of this game. But let me ask you this. What is the most encouraging thing you took away from this win over the Wildcats? Has to be the play of the offensive line. Yeah, um, gotta be. I mean, even when uh, Cedric Van Pran went out, we were still going at a high level. So uh, to me, that was the most encouraging thing. The offensive line curse has been one of the, probably the biggest frustration for me on this entire team through the first five games of the year, because again, you know, we've said it before we've, we've saw this unit. I know a Mims is out right now. We've got, you know, Fairchild playing tackle or playing guard and got trust playing tackle. But even when, when Mims was healthy, we were not playing the level that I expect this offensive line to play. Like anyone expect this offensive line to play? Cause this is a unit. Those four guys with Ernest green being the exception, he didn't play last year, but those four other guys, those were the four guys that those are four of the five guys that started both of our college playoff games last year, Curtis, both games that we won, obviously, won a national championship. And they just simply were not playing like that. There was they were there was no cohesiveness. They weren't getting movement. It was just the, almost like lethargic in a way. Uh, and then you, Mims goes down. We've got to shuffle the offensive line. And then it's it's certainly shaky for a little bit there. It wasn't great against Auburn. It was fine-ish. Pass protection still been largely really good. The run game has been a problem. And I have been openly very, very concerned about that because I, I, I'm talking about our identity, Curtis. We're trying to find that. The idea that we've always had under Kirby Smart here at Georgia, at least offensively, is a physical running game that sets up play action, that sets up our vertical shots and, and explosive plays that we hit in the passing game. And I had some very serious concerns about what this offense would look like in the ceiling of this offense if we were not going to be able to find a way to run the football more effectively. And with the way offensive line was playing and the issues in the running back room with all the injuries, I, I, I think it, to me it was a very – Open question, like, is just as who we are running the football? Is this just what we're going to have to expect all year long? And, I'm again, this is an anomalous performance. I'm not ready to say this is who we are full time yet, but it showed us who we can be. But to me, you're right, Chris. It has to be the play of the offensive line. Specifically, again, protection, pass pro has been great, largely great all year long. But the way that we were able to get consistent movement and just let's be honest, Curtis, straight up push around that Kentucky defensive front. That was a – talk about sight for sore eyes, man. That's what we've been looking for. And, again, I, I keep saying Kentucky's the best team that we've played all year because it's true they are. Curtis, that might very well be the best defensive front that we're going to play in the regular season, the, the best front six. So if we can play like that against a team like that – because, I mean, I'll stand by. Deion Walker, they don't have much depth. But Deion Walker, when he's not gassed, and he, he takes some plays off, as I said last week. But that dude is as good as that we're going to play on the defensive line – all year long, at least in the regular season, 100% he is. That guy is awesome. And we were moving him, Curtis. We were, I mean, Tate Rattledge had his best game of the year by far, maybe the best game of his career. I thought he played lights out in this game. And they moved Walker around. So it wasn't just, you know, he was on Cedric. Some, and Cedric, you know, was kind of an undersized guy. He's a center, but he was able to get some movement on Walker. Rattledge was able to get movement on Walker. Ernest Green 
trust. They were all able to get moving on him, and not just him. Oxendine as well, get on the linebackers. I mean, it was just an incredibly strong performance by the offensive line. And to me, that that has to be the most encouraging thing. Because here's what I would say, beyond just the offensive line, running backs too, played really well. Kendall Milton coming in, getting some, some physical runs in there. But here's what I would say is the most encouraging thing for me. I think we saw full-on Georgia football, what I would call Georgia football, what we have come to know and love as Georgia football for the first time last night. You know, I run the football operate play action off that where our play action actually affects defenses it wasn't really affecting Auburn it affected Kentucky Curtis we were able to run the ball and we stopped the run to me that's Georgia football ran the football stopped the run defensively we hadn't had both those elements together in the same game really at least with a power five opponent all season long and we saw that last night to me that's incredibly encouraging I'm still very much a believer that college football is a line of scrimmage game. If you can run the football and you can stop the run, you can beat anybody. And to me, that is the biggest reason why we completely beat down Kentucky last night. We ran the football. We were to work play action off that, get explosive plays in the passing game. It affected them. We were to stop their run game, and they simply were not equipped to do anything to beat us if they could not run the football. Kentucky is not built to do that. So to me, that's the most encouraging thing. If that carries over into the future, if that carries over next week against Vandy and then to Florida, and then to Missouri, then to Ole Miss, Tennessee, so on and so forth. We're going to win all those football games, Curtis, if that continues. Now, will it continue? I don't know. We'll see. That's the thing you got to think about here. But if it does, we're going to win a lot of football games. All right, guys, let's get our last break in here before we flip things over to the defensive side of the ball. I want to remind you guys about our great friends at Alumni Hall. I know a lot of you we're able to stop by Alumni Hall in-store on your way to town this weekend because a lot of you sent me some stuff on social media. So all of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but if you have not had a chance to check out Alumni Hall yet, guys, trust me, you're missing out. Alumni Hall is a Georgia fan's paradise. They have all the George gear you'd ever possibly imagine, all the best brands, the best selection, stuff that you will not find anywhere else. They are now carrying Onward Reserve inside the store. They already have great brands like Peter Millar and Johnny O, Nike, of course, Nike Golf, Cutter Buck, all the best brands. They have a great selection of men's gear. They have a great selection of women's gear, even the children's section, guys. So they truly have whatever it is that you're looking for. So if you're in the market for some George gear, and if you're listening to this podcast, I know you probably are, make sure to check out Alumni Hall either in-store inside the Edgebridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, Curtis, let's turn it over to the other side of the ball. Let's talk some defense. Haven't talked much defense here. We we know what happened last week, Curtis, at Auburn. We got embarrassed last week on the Plains, giving up 219 yards rushing to the Tigers. On the flip side, as we said earlier in the show, we did see Kentucky run for 329 against what had been a very good Florida rush defense to that point, which means, of course, all week long, we heard about how great this matchup was for Kentucky from a lot of people outside this family. So, I mean, no one calling outright for the upset, but a lot of people suggesting that it certainly was a, a possibility. And the final numbers, Curtis, I mean, I don't know if you look at the numbers, dude. They, they were absolutely stellar. 183 total yards allowed, the fewest total yards we've allowed from any opponent through the first half of the season. We held Kentucky to 55 yards rushing total, only 2.3 yards per rush, which was the fewest yards per rush average that we've allowed to this point. 13 points, but one of those was a short field on the Carson Beck interception, which is probably the only poor decision, poor – Thing the Carson Beck did all night. So they really only had one real drive against this defense. We held them to 3.7 yards per play, which moved us all the way up to second in the SEC in total defense and first in yards per play allowed, which is typically where we are accustomed to seeing this Georgia defense rank curse in those numbers. So overall, how would you grade that defensive performance against Kentucky? I think this was probably the best one we've had to date. I would probably go A minus. Um, I still thought we had. I'm not ready to give solid A or anything, even though statistically we were really, really played well. But what got me is there were still some plays out there that were to be made. Um, you think back to that. I think it was the very first drive where Larry overthrew the wide uh, wide receiver. Yeah, that's probably a touchdown. Yeah, that's what I thought exactly. It would have been a touchdown. Um, so th- we weren't flawless. and But overall, we played a lot better. And, and I think one thing that helped us, too, is offensively we got ahead. We took pressure off the defense for the first time all season. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I I have the same exact grade here, A minus. Now the the stats like if you hold a team to 183 total yards and 3.7 yards to play, typically call that an A plus performance, right? Yeah. Typically, but I'm totally with you. I think that there were some plays that Kentucky had there early in the game that they just didn't execute. They didn't hit. Devin Leary is not. 
it's weird, man. It's not clicking for him right now. He was much better at NC State. I know coming up from from a different system to this system, you gotta get used to your personnel. I understand all that, but like, I don't care what the system is. Hit a throw, dude. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm glad he didn't, but gotta hit those throws. But yeah, I think there were some some issues in the first drive. Defending the edge again, uh, they did it differently, but they were they were trying to do some they were doing some wrap stuff. But I think the first couple of drives they were able to attack the edges in the ground game. I think penalties really are what stalled their drives. Penalties and just like you said, missed opportunities. And then you're exactly right. I mean, you're I was going the same way. I think our offense was the biggest thing here because we were hitting on all, on all cylinders in a way that we had not in the first half of any game this season, clearly. So, yeah, we got out to that big lead, and we all know it's, it's – it's I go back to what I said with my expectations coming to the game. I felt like if we could force Kentucky to beat us through the air with Devin Leary's arm, there was no way they were going to win the game. Now, I didn't know how much success we'd have offensively. I had a lot of respect for that Kentucky defense, and that's still a good Kentucky defense. I mean, we just played lights out, man. But if we were able to get them in a situation they were playing from behind – they aren't built to play like that. There, there's just there was no way unless we just gave them the game after that that they were going to be able to come back and win that game. It just wasn't going to happen. So I think that certainly helped the defense. You're exactly right. Kentucky wants to run the ball, milk the clock, shrink the game. And when we took that away from them, I mean, the defense like, was just going to be able to feast. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, they need to get stops for that formula work, and they couldn't get stops really at all. So all that play – you honestly, Chris, the way that we played them last year, and I don't know if you remember that game. It was a, a freezing cold game in Kentucky. I mean, that weekend in Lexington was insanely cold. I think that really factored it. We didn't throw the ball much in that game because, I mean, it's the wind and there's the cold. It was crazy. We The way that we played that game last year, it kind of played into their hands because they were able to keep it close. And I think the weather certainly had a lot to do with that. But, you know, defensively, I will give our team this. I thought that we were physical. I thought we were far more disciplined. That is a team that will run the ball right at you. And I – Again, feel like that's typically what plays into our strengths defensively, but they're still going to line up and run it at you, and you got to man up, and you've got to make it happen. I thought it was a great statement from this defense, a statement from the entire team, honestly, when you win a game like that, a top-20 opponent, people are kind of like, oh, this, they might get Georgia trouble, and you just smack them around like what, what like what we've become accustomed to. I thought the defense played really physical. I thought they played more disciplined. I thought that we did a good job pressuring Leary when he dropped back. I thought we – I mean, we got – I know the final number is only three sacks, but I thought we did a good job affecting him. And that, that's the kind of defense that occurs. If we play like that, we on defense, we win every game of the regular season, right? Yeah, no question. Especially if, if we can match that type of defense with that type of offense, I, mean, I think we win that championship. If we, can, if we can play like that every game. Now, can we? Again, remains to be seen. That's the anomalous performance. But if that becomes the, the rule and not the exception, then we are winning a national championship. We just got to see how we continue to grow and improve and carry that forward, moving the rest of the way this season. But yeah, I think A minus Curtis thought they did some really good things. Um, when you, I mean, look, it wasn't per those first couple of drives. They had some plays, but also when you hold Ray Davis, who's coming up for 280 yard rushing performance, you hold him to the 50 yards under four yards per carry. You're doing something right. The offensive line is not a great Kentucky offensive line better than we were last year, but I thought we saw some really positive signs from that Georgia defense. I can carry on in the back half of this slate. All right, Kurt, let's, let's go ahead and do this, man. Let's move on to our game balls. And I think there's a lot to hand out. The past couple of weeks have kind of been spares. We haven't had a ton to hand out because the performances haven't been what we've become accustomed to. Now, today, though, I think that we have a lot of directions we can go with this. So I want to make sure we have plenty of time to uh, to highlight some of these players, some of these big-time performances. But uh, as is always the case, Chris, I'm going to let you have the honors off the tee box. Who gets your first game ball? Uh, First game ball, I mean, to me, it's no question. It goes to Carson Beck. It's got to, man. Did you see that yeah. number? I mean, uh, over 300 yards just in the first half. Crazy. Yeah. Fifth quarterback, right? Fifth quarterback in SEC history, I think is what they said, to throw for over 380 and have 80% or higher completion percentage in the first half. Uh, that's big time, dude. Big time. Uh, he's now second, by the way. Did you see the second in the SEC in passing? Just a, about 10 yards per game behind Jane Daniels. So Carson I is did, playing. Yeah. yeah, he's playing the guy that we thought he could be, right? Exactly. That's how I view it. Yeah, he's growing into that. So Carson Beck, just a, I mean, dude, like, I, I'm not ready to say he's the best quarterback in the SEC quite yet. I don't know, maybe he can grow into that though. He's playing, he's playing lights out right now. All right, uh, for me, if Carson Beck's obvious, I think the other one is, I think three weeks in a row, there's been Carson Beck one, and then Brock Bowers number two, or in some order, one of those guys one two. I got Brock Bowers in my first game ball. Another seven catches, another 130 plus yards, broke a tie with AJ Green for the second most receiving touchdowns in his career. With 24, uh, he's on pace right now to set single season records for receptions and receiving yards for the entire Georgia program. That's not just tight ends, Kurtz. That's all pass catchers in the history of the Georgia program. He's on pace to go over a thousand yards, 
over 70 receptions. Um, this guy's, I mean, how many accolades can we throw his way? He's just unbelievable, man. Hey, I will, I will say this though, Curtis, he did that one past the end zone that he, did he drop it? Can we say Brock dropped that ball? He did drop that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, and that's kind of right in front of me where I sit in the stadium is where my, my tickets are. And it's like, did I just see what I just saw? Like, did that just happen? And obviously I'm not going to even remotely criticize Brock for that. I mean, it was a tough play, but we're just so accustomed to seeing Brock make the tough play look routine. It's like, what, <laughs> what just happened? But no, Brock Bowers is incredible. And we are incredibly lucky to have that guy on our football team. All right. So I think those are the obvious two. Who are you going to next? Next, I want to go to um, Marcus Roseme. I mean, the guy had a big game for, I mean, really could go with the whole wide receiver. But I, I think Marcus, um, you talked about him really showing more as receiver. And the one thing I haven't really seen since probably when he's a freshman before that horrific injury is he's showing a burst that we just really haven't seen from him. I think it took almost like a year and a half to get that burst back. Am I crazy? I always feel like he just wasn't back to that until maybe that back half of last year, right? It seemed like that, that was when you started seeing it, and it's now it's a lot more consistent. Yeah, I mean, Marcus is – he's a good receiver, man. Like, people need to understand this. Marcus is no longer just a blocker. Marcus is a playmaker for us, okay? I mean, it's not like – now, some of those plays he's running open, right? Carson made that first touchdown. Carson made an incredible throw. I mean, that was a ridiculous throw by Carson Beck. Maybe the best the guy's made all year. I mean, unbelievable throw. Um, but there are also plays where Marcus is just going to be making plays. Like he's going to be winning 50-50 balls, and we haven't seen that from Marcus. Marcus has made some – he's made some decent plays in his career, but they're typically like you're schemed open, you're open, and quarterback hits you, and you you know, you know catch the ball, and you run for a couple yards, and you get tackled. He's he's winning 50-50 balls, Curse. He's making contested catches right now, and again, if he plays like that, I mean this is – we're doing this without Lad McConkey really being a factor right now. I mean he was a little bit of a factor against – against Auburn and he will become a factor for us as we know who Lad McConkey is. He's got to get back fully healthy and hopefully after the bye week we'll see, we'll see old Lad McConkey. But Marcus has really made it to where like, we haven't felt the the loss of Lad McConkey too much. Uh, I think, I, I think this is great. That was, that was another career high, right? 99 yards receiving. Um, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think earlier in the year, he set a uh, set a career high with 94 yards receiving. I think he went four for 99 last night. So another career highs, almost 200 yard games, Curtis, almost 200 yard games in the past month. So big time performance is great call there. He was actually next up on my list. I will go to another receiver here. I mentioned a little bit earlier. I think his emergence is going to be absolutely massive for us. Curtis Rara Thomas transfer from Mississippi state five catches, 63 yards. Uh, another talking about unbelievable catch contested ball back shoulder there on the RPO. Just this guy, Curtis, if he can become that kind of threat that teams have to contend against and, try to cover that guy one-on-one because if you have Brock if you have when we get Lad McConkey back I mean we don't Dominic Love is still yet to break out Curtis and that guy absolutely is a big time playmaker at some point you're going to look at our, our our skill talent and say who do we stop because if you try to take away Brock which is really hard because we're able to move Brock around we, the fact that he plays tight it makes it really tough he can play inline he can play h-back he can play out wide he can play in the slot he can move him around it makes it really really hard to take him away but if you try to take Brock away that's fine you probably can if you want to but then you got guys like Marcus Jackson ain't making plays. You got Rara Thomas. Both those guys are legitimately making plays. Like they're the ones going out there and making plays. You get you got Dominic Love in this lock and be a, a threat to take the distance on any given play. Uh, Arian Smith can be that guy too. He's, uh, had a drop last night, which you would love to see make that catch. But I mean, <laughs> he's he can he can be that guy on any given play. We know when Lack can be when Lack gets healthy. So the emergence of a guy like Rara truly could take this offense to the next level. Just give us one more weapon that you can't cover one-on-one because I think we forget sometimes because it took him a time, a little bit of time to get adjusted to this new system and the new style of play offensively playing on a pro style offense for the first time in his career. This guy was the leading receiver for Mississippi state last year, an SEC team an air raid offense. So he's got this, the receiving talent. It's just a matter of had to click for him offensively with our system. And it seems like that's happening right now. He's playing faster. He doesn't look confused. He looks like he's confident out there making plays. And if that continues with the way the Carson next playing, I'm just saying, man, just saying, watch out, watch out. All right, who you got next? Um, next, I'm gonna go with Pop. You know, um, I think that that man, yeah. re- he's one player who um responded really strongly. I will give Pop this, Curtis. I mean, well, first off, is it can we? Is this? It has to be said. It's fair to say, like that was the kind of team and matchup that fits what Pop does best, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So I, I, I honestly expected him to have a good game because that's. It was playing. He played. I think their style of play played into our defensive strengths. I think it played into Pop's individual strengths as well. But hey, we got look. We've been hard on this guy. So when 
when a yeah, guy because there were well, times where it, it wasn't about his ability as much as his, his effort at times. At times, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some clear physical deficiencies that he has. Oh yeah. That, but I mean, yeah, at times the effort and just a guy that has played as much football for for us as he has, like some of the just the mental mistakes it was kind of like I don't I, I expect that from C.J. Allen. I don't expect it from you right now, but. I, I hope people understand. Like, I don't take any pleasure in in criticizing any of our players, including Pop. I do not take any pleasure at all. We just like we try to be as objective and as we can. I know this is a Georgia podcast, and there's always going to be, I guess, an element of homerism, but we try to be as objective as we can when we see these things. We want to give you guys those takes. And Pop hasn't played up to that standard so far this season, in my opinion. I thought last night he did. I thought he was good against the run. I thought he played physically. I thought that he was aggressive. I thought you're right. Effort, Kirsten. The effort was clearly there. Last night, uh, I thought he was he was rallying around the ball. I, I'll give him this. I think he's become a good pass rusher. You notice that? He has. He actually has been better yeah. being the blitzer. Yeah, I don't. I think that Smile was the better blitzer last year, and Pop wasn't bad. I mean, Pop made that. I mean, there's a play in the um, late in the game in in the Peach Bowl against Iowa State. That remember that sack? That was oh, Pop. I do. Yeah, I mean that was that. If he doesn't make that sack, they kick a field goal there, right? Probably win the game. I mean, I think I believe what, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean. It's not like it's brand new. I mean, he, he certainly got better at that last year, but I think what I, that's one thing I've seen from him this year that where he has excelled. I think he's become a better blitzer. Uh, I do think that he he fights through blocks. He is able to to get low and rip through things. He's shown some actual pass rush skills. So I think that's been a really good part of his game. And I, I think he should, he had sack last night. So I, I think he played really well. I'm actually I had him on my list. I'm a little bit lower. I was I was hoping that you would bring him up because I know that. You uh, we we have our weekly like let's let's talk about pop segment and we don't we didn't have to have that today so it's just great that's great um all right I'm gonna go um I gotta go Kendall Milton man I gotta go Kendall Milton here we we know we've talked so much about the the running back room injuries and Dajan's been a revelation for us but Kendall if he is healthy I mean we saw the back half of last year so we all like I don't I don't want to like go back and talk about all the injuries Kendall suffered like we we know the, the injury history. But we saw the back half of last year when he was healthy. He, he was making plays, man. Like He was doing some good things, some explosive plays. And I was hopefully we would carry – I mean, I expected Branson Robinson to be the lead back this year, our feature back. But I expected Kendall to be right there with him. But, you know, obviously another injury or two that he had to deal with. But I don't know if he's fully healthy, Curtis, but it's really nice to see what Kendall can bring to this offense when he's close to – close enough to being healthy because it wasn't just that, you know, okay, you're going to be able to give Dajan a blow, which that that in and of itself is something. He was able to do that against Auburn. But the way that he ran, Curtis, I mean, Dajan is awesome. Dajan's ability to make people miss in space and get skinny through holes is unbelievable. And that he does that's something that he does that no one else in a running back room can do right now. That's huge. But what Kendall can do in being able to put his shoulder down and run through people, if he runs like that, that's been my one criticism of Kendall when he's been out there throughout his career is he's a big back but doesn't always run big. He was running big last night, man, putting his shoulder down, the contact balance was there. I think far too often in the, in the past, he's gone down easier than he should. That was not the case last night. He was driving. You could tell he was motivated to get out there and help this team and contribute and do something. I know obviously he's been – he has to have been incredibly frustrated. I, mean, I can't even imagine. But the way he was running, the effort he was running with, the plays that he was making – that is what we need from Kendall Milton. I was so happy, excited for him to see him have that kind of success. And I'm also excited for our team because if Kendall Milton is healthy and plays like that to compliment Dejan Edwards, does that fix our running back issues, Curtis? Um, I think it solves quite a few issues. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have Branson Robinson. Branson is a different kind of guy. Like he was going to be that dude. And Kirby kind of I, I didn't allude to it. He directly addressed that in the postgame press conference. It's just true. But Kendall, if you match him with Dejan, we have that one-two punch. That takes this offense's ceiling up another notch. I mean, you talk about the receivers taking a step forward. That takes it up. Kendall coming back, if he can stay healthy, dear God, please, knock on wood. That guy, man, if he can run like that, that's something that we don't have in the backfield right now. And we need that guy that can just put his shoulder down and get you three or four yards and keep you ahead of the chains. And Kendall was that guy for us. Last. I mean, and the numbers weren't like, you know, blow you away, eight for 47 and a touchdown, but just the way that he ran and what he gave us. And I'm just, I'm excited for him to be able to come back and, and give us that kind of punch there in the run game. All right, who else you got? I got a couple more. Ooh, um, I, I'm kind of stuck. I, I, okay, you know, I'm going to go. So you, stood out to me. So I know Pop has been a guy that you know, we both have been critical of. I know that you, he's been on your uh, on your watch list for a while. I'm going to go with a guy that I've been critical of for a while. I'm going to go Chaz Chambers. Ooh, okay. That's actually Yeah, I, I don't think Chaz was perfect. There were a couple of plays where it was he gave up the edge, uh, a time or two, not much. 
but there are also some plays where I saw him do some things that I truly curse. Don't think I've ever seen him do at Georgia, which yeah. is blow up a blocker, even blow up a blocker, and even play pass coverage. Exactly, two things. Pass. I mean, he not just like stand back there and like you know take up space, but actually like defend the ball. Like his pass deflection, Curtis. I mean, like he actually defended the guys. Like all right, all right, Chaz. I saw that, and then. Closing on the blocks, right, on the pullers, which he does very well. He just he, – he does that with reckless abandon. I've never had any question with the guy's physicality and his willingness to put his body on the line for his team. I, I've always respected about that about Chaz. He's very valuable in that regard. But what we've always been critical of is, you know what, Chaz, there's – these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You don't have to either, A, blow up the puller or, B, make the play on the ball carrier. You can do both, right? You are allowed to do both. That's not against the rules. And he's just shown like an, either an unwillingness or an inability to do that for about a year now. But he started to do – I mean, Curse, it was the first half. I don't think I'd ever seen him actually do it where he blows up the blocker. We, so, I guess what we call closing in our defense. And then he actually had the awareness to then ter- put his arm out and make the, the play on the ball carrier for a tackle for loss. I, truly I don't think don't I've ever seen him do, do it before. Yeah, I, I mean I, I mean that like all honesty, Curse. This is not hyperbole. I don't know if I've seen him do that. I really don't. And so maybe he has. I'm sure he probably has. I just don't remember it. So I got to give Chaz some credit here, man. I, I Again, I've always had so much respect for him and, and what he does with his physicality. But if he can start doing that more consistently, okay, Chaz, okay. Because that's what made Nolan so good. Like Nolan Smith, like it wasn't the pass rush stuff, at least at Georgia, that made him so good. It was the ability to, to close on those pullers and also make the play on the running back. And Chaz has just not been able to put that together, but he did at least a couple of times last night, which, I mean, that's progress, man. That's progress. So we got to remember, Chaz still hasn't played a ton of football for us. I mean, about about a year now that he's basically been starting more or less. So that was positive, man. Really happy for Chaz there. Um, You got anyone else? I think I have two more. No, you can go ahead. All right, I got Jalen Walker, Curtis. Jalen Walker is a pass rusher, dude. I mean – Honestly, I mean, I think naturally he's a more natural inside linebacker. But should we go back and reconsider playing him on the edge? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to argue against it. I mean, what he does out there is just so impressive. I mean, I know that he's the, the argument against that is that he's not he's an inside linebacker body. You know, like holding up against the run on the edge might not fit his skill set consistently. Um, he might just not have the size. Although, I mean, is he really that much smaller than Chaz Chambliss? I mean, no, honestly, not at know. all. That's that's the thing, or at least yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really think that he is. But his pass rush skills, Curtis, outside of Michael Williams, are unmatched on this team. I mean, that's why he comes out comes in on third downs, and he is he's athletic, and he he has legitimate pass rush skills. It's not just like oh, I'm fast, I'm gonna run by uh, tackles. That's he does that sometimes. That's not what what we're seeing though especially last night, this dude has moves. He has pass rush skill set, all right? And he may – I mean, there he could have had another and got held, and they they actually caught it. First, I didn't think they were going to call it. He was clearly going to destroy Devin Leary. And he got – I think he shared a half sack with, uh, with Raylan Wilson in the fourth quarter in that game or in the third quarter maybe. But he is – he's a he's a threat, dude. He's a pass rushing threat. I mean, again, I think Michael Williams is still the best pass rusher on this team. And obviously, they play different positions. But – Jalen Walker, dude, we get, him, we get teams in third downs. That guy is a playmaker. He's a big-time playmaker. I know he wasn't on the field all that much, but when he's out there, he consistently flashed to me when he's on the field. Even an inside linebacker, there's a play in the fourth quarter he chased down, and I was like, um, I don't think Pop can make that play. And I was like, I don't even know if Smile makes a play like that. I mean, that 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 dude can move. I mean, I think he he can be a really, really good inside linebacker for us. He's just got to – I mean, he missed some time. Last year, he's gone back and forth with the inside linebacker and outside linebacker, missed – spring practice really with the with the labrum surgery so he's still just trying to get up to speed at that position but i mean i think the sky is the limit for him at inside linebacker all right last one curtis is not a player at all but i gotta give some props to my man mike bobo all right let's just call what it is guys i know that people have their minds made about mike bobo and you can say i'm guilty of that too maybe i have my mind made about mike bobo and it's just a different opinion than other people that's fair if you want to say that but the numbers speak for themselves, Curse. I know the first, you know, first SEC game, what, 24 points at South Carolina. People are like, oh, Mike Bobo, oh, where's Todd Munkin? And last week against Auburn, 27 points. There's some people like, oh, what's going on, Mike Bobo? Curtis, 608 yards of total offense. 608 yards of total offense. 33 first downs. 
Hey, look, I've done this before. I'm going to do it again, though, because, look, we all know how great Todd Munkin is. I have so much respect for that guy. We all loved him. Curtis, in three years at Georgia, how many times did you guess that Todd Munkin's offense has put up over 600 yards of offense? Once. Once. One time, back in 2020 against Missouri. That is the only time. One time. And, again, I'm not saying that Mike Bobo is better than Todd Munkin. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you that the gap ain't that big. For those of you who hate Mike Bobo and think that he can't get the job done, he's getting the job done. And those – like we could have been doing this earlier in the year if it was better – if we had better execution, could run the ball a little better. But 608 yards of total offense, Curtis, against the best defense that we have played this season. We're talking about a Mark Stoops defense, Curtis. That's a good defense. 33 first downs, not one single time in three years of coaching Georgia's offense did Todd Munkin put up 33 or more first downs. Not one single time. Not one – single time so again monkey is incredible i'd probably still take monkey over bobo probably maybe but bobo is not this massive drop off that a lot of people want to make it seem that he is i'm just saying i'm just sorry look there might be a game where there's gonna be a dud okay that's fine y'all y'all can come at me but mike bobo is doing one hell of a job with this offense and carson beck's playing at an extraordinarily high level we're starting to get some stuff from the run game and if this continues, I'm just saying, watch out. We might not win the national title this year. That it, it certainly is possible that, that we won't, right? But I will say this. If we don't win the national title, it's not because of Mike Bobo. And a lot of people might want to point out and say, well, we just because Todd Munkin left. No, it's not Mike Bobo's fault. Mike Bobo has been absolutely fantastic. All right, Kurt, any last words? No, I think that's it. All right, guys, that's all we've got today. We will, of course, absolutely be back later this week with all of our same great Georgia coverage. We're going to have four episodes this week, just like we always do. I will say we're going to have to record these a little bit earlier this week because heading out of town for the, the Vanderbilt game this weekend, I'm heading out of town a little bit early this weekend. So I'm actually recording two shows tonight. I'll be recording a show Monday night, and then Charlie and I will be actually be doing our Picks of the Week episode on Tuesday Instead of Thursday when we normally do that, they'll still be up the same nights they normally are. But I'm heading out of town a little bit early, so we got to get these things taken care of. So that doesn't really affect you probably, but just a heads up that, especially when we do our picks episode, we're doing that on Tuesday and not Thursday, so not, we don't have as much time to dive into those games. But we'll talk all, all about that later on this week. But thank you for being here, guys. What a win. Great win. It's what we all have been waiting to see the first half of this season. We finally got it. Let's just hope this becomes the rule and not the exception. But thank you, guys. Appreciate you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And, of course, as always, go dog.